watch the breakdown. And here we go. Davis goes left. Davis gets a block. Chris Davis. Touchdown. Auburn. An answered prayer. Cut. Michigan. Touchdown. I can't believe this. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown. Alabama wins. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Kevin Brown. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at khookem. This is the Campus to Campus podcast. Let me bring in my co-host real quick, Jesse. What's going on, man? How's it going, everybody? Follow me on Twitter at uh, Uncle Jesse with three underscores following. All right, then we are a part of the Breakdown Sports. You can find us on Twitter at the underscore breakdown, spelled the underscore b r k d w n. Y'all come check us out. Give us a follow on, on the Twitter machine, on Instagram, all that good stuff. And uh, without any further ado, we're going to roll into our our week three review. And the first thing I want to hit on this week is what in the fuck, Boston College? What happened to you? How do you – and look, I'm a Texas fan. I know how bad it sucks to lose to Kansas. But how do you go in there, 20-plus point favorite, and just totally let Kansas whoop the crap out of you? It's an, Chip Kelly must have a lucky horseshoe or whatever for one game a year because it seems it's like one game they come out of nowhere. It's just strange to me that <clears throat> they let two guys run for over 100 yards against them. But Boston College typically has a really good defense. I know personally I bet on Boston College. I felt good about him controlling the game, controlling the game flow. Feel like AJ Dillon's gonna have him a big game, and they just they just got wrecked. Like from from the word go, they were they were never in control of that game. It was just a weird night for that whole for college football that night. I don't know how it happened, but it just did. Yeah, and I, I would I would love to know, and and this is just shooting from the hip. I would love to know how many teams in college football history have been twenty point underdogs and have won by twenty or more. I would love to know that. I'm, I'm going to look that up after we get off the show just just for next week. I'll, I'll throw it in there. Uh, you, you got any idea off the top of your head, Jesse? Uh, I'd say, honestly, I got at least 10. I'll go on the higher side. All right, cool. I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some, some digging on that. Next game we got to review from last week, we got uh, Michigan State falls apart in the last couple seconds of the game. And, and that game kind of went like, Everybody thought it would. Really low scoring. Good defenses playing each other. Both of those defenses have played good all year long. First real test for Arizona State. Uh, the young quarterback, you know, played decent. You know, he, he didn't. He he wasn't a showstopper or anything for Arizona State. Jaden Daniels. But when it when it comes all down to it, Michigan State rolls out. A couple seconds left on the clock. Kicks a field goal. Nails the field goal. Twelve men on the field. Back it up a little bit, goes to kick it again, and just totally shanks it left. And uh, man, that's got that's got to be a tough way to lose for for both the coaches and the and the players. 
Well, yeah, especially now since uh, the Pac-12 refs are saying they missed a call that the Arizona State defender jumped over the center. Oh, that is right. I did hear about that. I was uh, I was a little buzzed up, to be honest with you, out there watching some games. <laughs> that didn't register with me too good, but I do remember hearing that now that you say that. Yeah, they, they would have gone to at least overtime if they got that call because that's 15 extra yards to retry the kick. Yeah, it makes that kick very makeable, and which it wasn't, you know, unmakeable from where it was originally. But, you know, you put that that bad mojo on yourself as, you know, having to think about it too much. Okay, I need to do this a little bit further back. Kickers, are, it's kind of a mental game. I can see how it could get them real bent out of shape real quick. So that was a uh, – I mean, that was a good win for the Pac-12 as a whole, you know, and, and we don't have this on the on the dock or anything, but I just wanted to mention that there are a few teams in the Pac-12 that – Although I do not think there's any way that any of them make it into the to the playoff, but you got Arizona State and Cal playing some really good football for the most part. Now they're playing good on defense. Uh, Cal's offense isn't that great, but they've showed to be good enough on defense to where they can win games against good teams. You can throw Colorado in that mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's it's just it's surprising as it was last year. You know, Cal was one of the worst teams, and they are so boring to watch. But they did have a pretty decent defense last year. And me, from a, a, a college fantasy football perspective, I just totally avoided Cal like the plague last year. But I did spot start their defense a few weeks. And uh, and Arizona State this year, you know, they've, they've got Eno Benjamin, one of the best running backs in the country. they got a, a very athletic, dual-threat quarterback. So so I do pay attention to the to the teams out in the Pac-12 pretty close. But it's, uh, it's good to see them, somebody besides Washington – be good enough to, to win some games and be able to compete with teams outside of the back 12. Yeah. I'm just happy oh. that was my uh, upset pit of the week last week, and I got it right. It was. It was. I was going to hit on that later on, man. <laughs> you was all over that one. Mine, uh, mine, mine not so much, but we'll, uh, we'll, we're not going to spend too much time there. <laughs> Next, we got Georgia Tech beat by an SES triple option team in the Citadel. What a major kick in the nuts. You change offenses. You try to get to a uh, to a little more evolved offense, and then you you bring in you know the little guys come in, get paid to come into town to play, and then they knock you off with the offense you run for the past decade. And that is that is poetic justice if, I, is I, if I've ever seen it. Yeah, you got to. I didn't pay attention to this at all. I'm not really. I don't. I could care less about Georgia Tech, especially now since they got rid of the triple option. But it is peak Georgia Tech to lose to the Citadel. I'm not surprised. Exactly, man. It seems like Georgia Tech will sneak in and beat somebody good and, and you know, mess up the, the ACC title race every single year. But I don't know this year. I mean, no. this, the Citadel, it's a, that's, a tough, that's a tough L for sure. And that's for any FBS team. That's for any, you know, Division One team to, to get beat by the Citadel would, would, would sting. Uh, next, up, next up we're going to talk about what Before that, you got anything else to add there? Uh, Jesse? Well, no, not really. Though. That's pretty much how it goes. All right. Next up, we got Florida quarterback Felipe Franks is out for the year. And, and I'm not sure if you watched the play, Jesse, but he got rolled up on hard. And as I was sitting at a uh, Buffalo Wild Wings in uh, Cincinnati on my way back from uh, from my day job. And uh, I was sitting there at the, at the bar watching the game. And, and as soon as it happened, like – because there was a lot of Kentucky fans 
in in the bar there watching the game and as soon as it happened man it was it was like it was quiet for that you know 10 or 15 seconds to where you just you knew it was bad yeah i i uh have this horrible part of me where i kind of enjoy going back and watching the videos of players getting injured like that you're a and psychopath I've, yeah yeah it's, <laughs> I've had injuries, so I'm, I know how it is. But it it just looked terrible. I watched it yeah. a good dozen times. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. And I know it's not a, a college football uh, topic, but Trevor Simeon uh, getting getting his ankle, you know, exploded. That was, that on was even worse night. than Felipe's. Was was tough. You know, that was that was me and you talked about that a little bit in our Slack channel. But uh, but yeah, back up back on topic. So. We got the uh, we got the I want to say a re- uh, redshirt freshman Trask coming in. He he looked good. He, he looked serviceable. And I'd read somewhere on on the Twitter machine that had he not been injured in the spring or the fall, one of the two, that he was he was in line to to push Felipe Franks for the starting job. So I'm not even sure Florida takes too much of a step back with with Trask in the game as compared to Franks. What's your thoughts there? Uh, I'd think the same. I think. The first half of this week's games or the first week, they're going to start off a little slow just because it's not really used to leading a team like Florida. So it'd be nice to see what happens to them. Yeah, especially in a big rivalry game coming up this weekend. You know, you're going to end up being a uh, your your home your your big home favorite. You're in front of your home crowd. You got. All the stuff going on around you. There, there's a whole lot to whole lot to digest for 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 Trask coming into this game. So I'm interested to see how he plays, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Florida plays just as good, if not better. So uh, so all right. So next up, we're going to talk about the refs sticking it to, or as some say, not sticking it to uh, the University of North Carolina against Wake Forest on that Thursday night game, Friday night game, Which Friday was night. It? it was a Friday, Friday night. night game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was up in Columbus. We were sitting in the hotel room watching the game. I've actually uh, invested semi heavily in that game in front, with my with with fantasy football. I'm a big Jamie Newman fan and Sam Howell fan, and uh, watched every play of the game. You know, Wake Forest got out on quick. You know, UNC come back. They were driving big. A little bit of a controversial call. I think I'm on the opposite side of it as compared to you are, Jesse. And I'll let you you give me uh, you talk me out of it here in a minute. But to me, it was uh, he was his forward progress was stopped before he stepped out of bounds, and that's kind of that's kind of that gray area where it's left up to the referees to make that judgment call. And, and I could have, if it would have went either way to where they give him the second so they could have that hail mary shot, or they call, call the game, I don't think I'd have had a problem with it either way. So, what's your thoughts? I mean, you're basically right. His forward progress was stopped, but it was his own doing. He decided to take it a couple extra steps and try to juke out three defenders instead of running straight for the sideline. <laughs> but <idiot>, man. <laughs> once he was out of bounds and they blew the play dead because they didn't blow it until after he stepped out, there was still a second yep. on the clock. Yeah, like I said, I wouldn't have. It wouldn't have bothered me either way whether they gave him the second or whether they uh, whether they called the game. Kind of wish they would have given the second because. Uh, Sam Howe was was dealing out there in that second half, man. He looked good. He looked like the the hopped up freshman that he that he is coming out of high school. So, I think North Carolina's 
they're just fine. They probably didn't have the the highest expectations coming into the year, and I and I think with with some of the wins that they have, I, I think they're probably, I think they'll surpass expectations that of coming into this season by by a long ways. No, they've already have. It, they're having a great year, more better than they ever expected. Yeah, yeah, knocking off Miami like that. I mean, it's you can't uh, you can't you can't go wrong there. That's that's something in North Carolina. There's no town how long it's been since they've done that. Beating South Carolina and Miami in back-to-back weeks is yeah. that's never happening. It's huge, huge for the program. And I want to give him a, give him a shout out to my boy Mac Brown out there. I'm glad to see him being successful, and glad to see them sick dance moves he's got in the uh, got in the locker room after every win. It was great to see. All right, all right. We're going to roll into the next one, and Jesse, I'm going to let you take this one because I'm going to let my personal bias stay out of the way, and I'm just going to let you talk about this. So take it over, bud. So I was watching Clemson uh, Syracuse last week because everybody said, "Oh, it's a big game. It's Clemson's last big uh, opponent before they just destroy ACC play." And honestly, as no matter what the score says, Clemson looked terrible in my eyes. Their offense wasn't shown at all. If Syracuse ran just a competent offense and knew how to score, though it would be probably a one touchdown game at best. And see, that's the thing, man. Syracuse has been so good on offense the past couple of years. You know, they, they they they've all they've been able to move the ball. They've been able to keep a lot of games closer than what you think they should. Uh, and outside of a couple big plays and a couple major mistakes by Syracuse, that game's a lot closer than what it should have been. You know, you had the Armani Armani Rogers eighty seven yard touchdown. You had a you had a lot of things kinda kinda bounce that way. But in the big scheme of things, every team every year, whether they're the number one team or the or the hundred and thirtieth team, you know, to get a couple of those wins, sometimes you need the things to bounce your way a little bit. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Take a dump on on Clemson by any means, because because you know I've watched them play live this year, and I think they're I think they're a truly dominant team. But but I guess your question is 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 Trevor Lawrence a system quarterback? And I know that's a that's a hot topic for a lot of folks. So t- t- tell me tell me what your thoughts are there. Oh, it's especially a hot topic for our group because you are polar I'm, opposite I'm, to everybody else. <laughs> but that Trevor, I'm starting to come around on it because. So far this year, he hasn't really played much of anybody, and his stats aren't really that good. And look, and look at throw, throwing for three hundred ninety-five yards and three touchdowns. You're going to take that every week. Oh, of course. And, and if you do that every single week of the year, you're going to be one of those elite passers. You're going to you're going to more than likely have your spot in uh, in New York, which we'll get to a little bit more on that later on. But my whole my whole gripe is he's look. He's looked decent at best in every game this year against Dude. Georgia Tech. Outside of the, the – I don't know, they, they had to play a Division Two team in there somewhere by now. They don't play anybody all year long. But, you know, Texas A&M, that's, that's, no, that's no game to sneeze at. Uh, but, you know, he didn't play like a Heisman finalist that, that he's already been essentially given the crown that he's going to be sitting in New York as one of the top three finalists this year. He, I mean – he just had. He's not shown me anything personally this year to justify people talk, having Heisman talk. Maybe coming into the season because how hot of a finish that he had, but I've not seen the, the the first thing this year to say, "Oh man, 
he's going to he's he's going to win the Heisman this year, or he should be a favorite to win the Heisman, or he should be in the top three to win the Heisman. I mean, he's going to be in the Heisman if Clemson is in the playoffs, no matter what, just because of the name and it's the number one team in the nation. But his some stats of his are better. He's having more yards per attempt and almost. Oh no, that's probably the only good stat that's as good right now. <laughs> but he's had more interceptions so far than all of last year combined. Yep. His quarterback rating is down 20 points from last year. It's The regression just, it, is just hitting strong for him sure. right now. And and that that's not to take away from the young man. It's it's not to say that he's not going to be a quarterback that can win another national championship or a quarterback that can possibly and legitimately go undefeated during his college football career. But that's not because his play is at such an extreme level to put him above everybody else. It's because the team around him is so stinking good. They are just so friggin' loaded all everywhere. They're lo- loaded up on both sides of the ball. You don't have to be a superstar to win at the quarterback position for Clemson. At least he, you don't have to be for the next couple of years because they are just so stacked. He just has to be a game manager. That's it. Whatever else he does is icing on the cake. See, he just has to be Jake Fromm, and just because he's on Clemson, he'll be sitting in New York. Exactly. But, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off my soapbox before you get me started. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, with that, let's uh, take a little turn of events and talk about a little thing that we love called SeatGeek. Love it. SeatGeek is the best secondary ticket buying market out there. Makes the process simple and stress-free. Go see your favorite sports team, your favorite band, musicals, theater, comedy whatever you name it um it's on the apple and google play stores download the app uh all you gotta do it's, it's rated from one to ten green bubbles to red bubbles for the perfect seat perfect view um just go to the seek go to seeking app enter the code breakdown it's b-r-k-d-w-n and you get twenty dollars off your first purchase Go see Clemson and Trevor Lawrence be back to normal and not be a system quarterback. It's $20 off your first (laughs) purchase. Code breakdown. All right, so we're going to roll into our week four preview. We're going to hit on eight to ten games here that we're looking forward to watching. Um Jesse, for 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 this week, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna swap back and forth. I'll do one, and you roll into one. So uh, so my first game that I'm looking forward to, and I think it's I think it's probably number one on everybody's list. I just happen to be the one that uh, gets the show doc ready for everybody, so I get my first dibs. So <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Georgia at home versus Notre Dame is is all about. This is going to be a great litmus litmus test for who Georgia is and who Notre Dame is. So we're going to see who who they are and how they're going to play in big-time games. Neither one has played anybody significant just yet, so we're going to see what they're all about. Uh, as far as I know, Georgia's right at, right at a 14-point favorite. Jesse, am I right there? Yeah, they're at 14 right now. All right, so, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big spread for a top-10 matchup. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia just blows the doors all the way out of them. But then again, if I'm not mistaken, Notre Dame beat them last year. So, so I'm really interested to see how this game goes just from just a standpoint to where you really don't truly know which, what either team are right now. You know, Georgia's, Georgia's looked great thus far, but they've not really played anybody outside of Vanderbilt. And I'm not ready to crown them as the the second eight, uh, SEC team to make it into the uh, to the playoffs. So, so me, if I, if I was if I was going to lay some my own money down on it, it would definitely be on Georgia at home. Uh, I I think they are a better team than Notre Dame. Five but this shot. week, yeah, I think this week is going to is going to show us either how much better Georgia is than Notre Dame or how overrated Georgia is coming into the season. All right, so uh, my top pick. Isn't really my top pick anymore since of a couple news that I've heard since putting it down. But always go with the homer, Michigan at Wisconsin. First big test for Michigan on the year. First big test for Wisconsin on the year, yeah. too. But I'm uh, going back to my horrible Michigan depressed fan ways because <laughs> Zach Charbonnet is going to be out for four weeks. Oh wow! When did that news come out? I've not heard that yet. Uh, it's nothing official, official yet. But all of Michigan Twitter has been talking about uh, it today. Okay, uh, man, that that Twitter machine is 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 great for news. You just got to know how to sift through the garbage to find exactly. it. Exactly. Apparently, he's uh getting another scoop done on his knee. So mm, that's tough, man. Because he's uh he I think he's gonna be a special player, oh. especially if uh. If Harbaugh will leave him the heck alone and let it, let the offense run through him in, in more of a spread way to open the field up for him, but that's another topic for another show. So well, we can get into we can get into that for sure. They're just <laughs> all Michigan players are saying they're ready. They're making a statement for Saturday. And all right. Well, it's this is the team is, to make it against. Yeah. This is you lose this game, you're not going anywhere this year. That's yeah, how no. it's feeling. This this game is this game is is very similar to the Georgia Notre Dame game. We're about to find out what these two teams are all about. Exactly. You know, Wisconsin, Wisconsin has looked fantastic. Over more the first touchdown couple passes weeks. than incompletions. That's insane. Seriously, I did then, not know that. That's that is insane. Yeah, and then you have Jonathan Taylor, who's Showing top out. two back in the country. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, so. Next up on the list, we're gonna we're gonna get a little more homer homering out on folks, uh, but it is one of those top three games of the week. So, Texas at home versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has been a major pain in the ass for Texas over the past several years. They always find a way to knock us off whenever we're uh, whenever we're trying to make a run. Um, and you know one of those one of those things about Sam Ellinger is every time he has one of those great transcendent games to where he's breaking records and all this stuff, the opposing quarterback shows him up. You know, two uh, two weeks ago, Ellinger throws for four hundred plus against LSU. Yeah, Joe Burrow threw for four fifty. You know, and you know against Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, all these guys. Every time that they have one of these great, Texas has a great performance on offense. Their poor defense cannot stop anybody, and I do not think that changes this week one bit. Oklahoma State has got a serious trio on their offense in quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Uh, Spencer Sanders has has looked has looked pretty solid, and he's a, he's a hell of a dual threat quarterback. And you got Chubba Chubba Hubbard running out of the out of the backfield, and he's he's looked like a superstar. Uh, 
I was high, high on him coming into uh, the college fantasy football world coming in this year. The last five weeks of last year, whenever Justice Hill was hurt, he took over the lead role, and he looked like he looked like a stud. And he has picked up right where he left off, and they have no issue at all with giving him 30-plus touches a game. I saw something on Twitter the other day to where there's been six, and it could have been four, 200-plus rushing yard games uh, in the NCAA this, this season so far, and Chubba Hubbard has uh, two of them. So the kid's good. And then, of course, they got Tylen Wallace on the outside. He's one of the, the top pros- NFL prospects at wide receiver. And he is he is hell to cover. Uh, I want to say last, he had 200 and I want to say 220 receiving yards on us last year, and I think he had 160 or so in the first half. He just absolutely torched us. And with the way Texas played against LSU, I don't see that going any different. I think uh, I think Wallace Hubbard and Spencer Sanders are all going to have monster games. Uh, hopefully, Texas can answer enough. Uh, hopefully, Ellinger can step back up and and put the team back on his shoulders because. I just don't see the defense being able to stop anybody at all. That's the Big Twelve for you. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it's a, it's the sad truth. <laughs> what you got next, man? Um, so it's not the upper echelon of games this week, but it's almost there. It's uh, the other ranked matchup: Auburn and Texas A and M. Is Bo Nix? Can he do it again? Be the big hero on national TV, or Texas A and M? finally wake up and prove that Jimbo Fisher turning that program back around. I'm ready to find out when Kellamon's going to show up and be a superstar like everybody says he is. That also is coming from major, major personal bias, so <laughs> don't mind me over here. Oh, you're good. It's not really, I'll throw some money on the game, but it's it's one of the ranked matchups. That's why I'm having yeah. it. It's one of the ones you're going you're gonna to sit there and you're going to watch and you'll throw you, you know, 20 bucks down on it and make you Make it a little bit more exciting to watch. I'm, I, I get the same way. I can't help myself sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Colorado versus Arizona. Arizona State. We mentioned these guys a little bit earlier in the in the podcast. Both teams are playing really well. Colorado lost a lost a rough one last week to Air Force, and Arizona State's not been as great on offense as I thought they would have been coming into the season, especially with their matchups they had. But they looked great on defense. You know, they, they have shut every, I, I want to say that that seven points last week was the only seven points they've allowed all year long. Now, granted, they've been against bottom-of-the-barrel slash FCS opponents. But this should be a fun game to watch. And this should be a game to where Eno Benjamin can finally get rolling. Uh, there's there's bona fide superstars on both sides of the ball, NFL prospects on both sides of the ball, and, and Eno Benjamin and uh, LaVisca Chenault. And it's going to be fun. I, th- I think I think both teams are going to be able to light up the scoreboards. I, I you know, they, they've not been the highest scoring teams coming in. But if I was if I was a betting man, I'd be uh, I'd be rolling on the over on this game. So uh, Arizona State's at home. They're playing down in the desert. You know, it's got to be hot down there this time of year. Uh, I want to say last uh, two weeks ago, it was 107 degrees uh, at kickoff time at 7:30 p.m. So, I mean, that just tells you how hot it gets out there. So, maybe it'll cool down a little bit so these guys can can keep their energy out there on the field. But I'm, that's one of the games I'm looking forward to big time. What do you got oh, yeah. next, Jesse? Uh, next, another homer pick, Old Dominion and Virginia. Monarchs will ever hold a place in my heart. I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i went to school there, 
And I hate UVA, mostly for <laughs> college basketball reasons, but it just transcends all sports now. So you just, you just hate on them all over the place. Oh, yeah. All Virginia schools. The only good one's Old Dominion. <laughs> Don't get me started on VCU. Well, I, okay, I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the, so, so the last game that I want to talk about here, I want to hit on, big rivalry game I mentioned a little bit earlier, Florida-Tennessee this week. Tennessee has been bad this year. And uh, what was the score last week at Chattanooga? Was it 45 to nothing? 45 or 49. That, that's still not enough. No. You, you, should, you should have put up more points on Chattanooga because now you're, you're, your fans still think you're trash. Uh, with me being from Tennessee and, and, and living here, I'm just surrounded by Tennessee fans all over the place. And, man, if you could come check the pulse of these guys around here, they are just dead for the season. They are not looking forward to the rest of the season. Some of them say, "Hey, man, I don't know that we'll win. We'll win three games this year." Then you know, just looking at the schedule, looking at the SEC schedule, they're going to have to roll through. There's not a ton more of, of just locked in winnable games for them. You know, losing to Georgia State and BYU, those are those are the ones, man. You, you've got to lock those down because if you can squeak out one or two in conference play, then uh, then you're, you're looking you're looking good for the season. But if you drop those first two and then you, you play you play good, I mean, you hang 44, 45, 49 points, whatever it is, on any team, I mean, that means your offense is moving the ball. But it's about to get rough for them. And I, and I don't think they have a lot of light at the end of the tunnel right now. Now, granted, Tennessee typically plays Florida pretty close every year, no matter how far apart they are with, uh, with talent. So, I mean, Florida is minus 14 right now, if I'm not mistaken, Jesse? Yeah, I believe that's I think, how it I think it's I think that's where it's at. Minus 14 at home, it would not surprise me one bit if Tennessee kept it close just because the way that that rivalry works and, the you know, being, being from where I'm from, it's one of, it's one of those things to where it's, it's everywhere, you know, whenever Florida's playing Tennessee. It's in every bar. It's in every – Every, every restaurant you go to, it's at every house you go to on the weekends, you go into the party, it's all over the place. And Tennessee always seemed to step up. I just do not see it. I mean, Florida's got a good defense. They, got, they, they, can, they can hold Tennessee down. And if Trask can just keep them on schedule and, and just keep the chains moving, they will totally dominate the time of possession and this, this game flow. And that's, that's not good for Tennessee. Tennessee's got to be on, on the offense, has got to be on the field for them to have any shot at all. If uh, Tennessee loses by at least two touchdowns, you see some firings happening there, or you got to wait mm. a couple more weeks. Man, it's because oh. it's going to be I a mid-season know. firing. It has to be. I, I it wouldn't surprise me if they did, but I would be, <laughs> I would, I'd be interested in knowing how many coaches they're still paying now from all their shitty hires from the past decade. You know, it's it's, oh man, I don't know. All that money is going to be worth it when Urban Meyer shows up next year. (laughs) And it would be. Urban Meyer, in my opinion, you know, you can have – everybody has their own opinions on how things are handled and all that kind of stuff. But from a football standpoint, I think he's one of the top three coaches in in the country. And and I've, I've gone on record saying before that I thought he was the best coach in the country. He recruits great. He has an instant, immediate impact everywhere that he goes. I remember when he took over the Ohio State gig, I told somebody at uh, at my, my previous job that, hey, look, they're going to go undefeated this year. There's, they, they won't lose a game in the, in the Big Ten, no, not a chance. And 
had they not been in the uh, the bowl ban from all that stuff going on, then they they would have been undefeated and they would have been in the in the national championship game. And if he rolls in whatever school he goes to, and I do believe that he's going to be going to a school sooner rather than later next season. Yeah, that's, he's, that's, he's basically all but committed to it. Yeah, I I th- I, th- I think it, it's it's much sooner rather than later. But what, wherever he goes, they they are going to turn into. They they'll turn into an immediate you know powerhouse playoff contender the first season, and people better watch out because he's a fantastic coach. You can morally, you, everybody has their own opinions. You can you can think what you want there. It, I, I don't care either way. But like I said, from a football standpoint, he is a phenomenal coach. Yeah, he'll be there for four years. He'll win you one national championship, and then he's gonna have another health issue. Yeah, and then move on to the next place and in a couple years. Go back to Fox <laughs> for a year, and then two months after that, say he misses the game. Yep. And then go to the next former blue blood that needs help. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me a bit. Hey, look, listen, I love Tom Herman, but if if he if Urban Meyer was rolling to Texas, I would open my arms wide. Just just please come on in here because he he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, all you Michigan fans that want. Urban wants Jim Harbaugh fired for Urban Meyer. Just delete mm. your accounts. Just stop. Mm, that's, that, that's gross. That must that had to have been gross coming out of your mouth. Oh, uh, I would, I would stop being a Michigan fan if that happened. No, oh. <laughs> that bad, huh? I despise Urban Meyer. Well, yeah. All right. Well, I got you. I got you. But that would be that'd be that'd be pretty that'd be pretty awesome if he come rolling into <laughs> rolling into Ann Arbor. <laughs> All right, what's what's the next game up on the list, my man? Uh, my last one, it's uh, Oregon-Stanford. Uh, I was just looking at the games and seeing that reminded me of like the early 2010s matchups between the two. Man, I loved those games. Those Andrew Luck, you know, Toby Gerhardt. Oh, those those games are fantastic. It was great. Remind the good days of Pac-12 after dark. Oregon should beat them by like twenty, but it just they brought should. back some good nostalgia. But look, man, Oregon never really played, or not—I won't say never. Recently, hasn't really played up to snuff when they played Stanford. You know that they're coming in last year, and they—they should have. Uh, they ended up having they—they they ended up letting Stanford come back and beat them in overtime last year, didn't they? Yeah, I believe so. I want to say it was like a seventeen-point comeback, fourth quarter. You know, Herbert's looking to be, you know, draft pick, number one overall draft pick stuff, and they just totally fell apart. And, let, and and while we're on Oregon, can you explain to me where this Justin Herbert hype is coming from? It's because there's not really many other quarterbacks going to the draft. Okay, that's fair. And that's pretty much it. That's that's all I could think of either because I've I've and I follow fantasy football a lot, and you know I keep an eye on a lot of players. And I've never seen anything coming out of Justin Herbert that I thought, man, that is a, that's a showstopper. Now, I know that the fantasy community and the draft community, those are two totally different things, and they do not intersect most of the time. Because, you know, you got arm strength and you got size, and there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it. I've just, I've just never been overly impressed with Herbert. And I was wondering if you had any other insight besides the fact that, hey, it's just going to be a quarterback light draft class of why he's ranked so highly up on people's draft boards. It's basically that. It's – so very light quarterback draft class, and he's thrown a touchdown pass in like 50 games or whatever his record is. 
It is a lot of games. If we're being <laughs> it is a lot honest, of games putting putting the points on the board. Yeah. If we're being honest, if I'm a NFL GM, I'd be looking at that Utah State quarterback more than Justin Herbert. Man, Jordan Jordan Love, he he's he looked like a real deal. Yeah. So if you're the Miami Dolphins rolling in this year, who are you looking at? Are you looking at Love? Are you looking at Tua? Where are you looking? If I'm the Dolphins, honestly, I'd go for Judy or Chase Young and then go Maybe, for yeah. Trevor Lawrence next the year after. That's not I got no beef for that at all. Let's get some talent in there so whenever you do bring a quarterback in he doesn't fizzle out in two years because there's nothing around him. And even then, they have three first-round picks this year, so they could just get the top two. They can get Tua and Jerry Judy if they wanted this yeah, year. Yeah, right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're, we digress. We're getting off topic here. It's my bad. All right, so next we're going to hit on a couple bets that we're looking for, forward to making this weekend. Uh, Cal plus two and a half against Ole Miss. Uh, I'm, I'm going to roll on Cal hard. Ole Miss has looked just like a total dumpster fire. They give up 29 points to an FCS school last week. They got beat by Memphis. They just they look bad. They look, they do not look like the Ole Miss teams that we're used to seeing with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and and all those guys out there. Uh, Jordan Damu running around. They just they look they look slow. They look they just just blah meh. So I'll take Cal and their 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 uh. I won't say elite defense, but they're very strong defense, and then they're they're able their ability to run the ball with Christopher Brown the second, Christopher Brown the third, something like that. Christopher Brown. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Cal plus two and a half. What do you got, man? Uh, I'm taking Air Force plus eight versus Boise State. Now, at first, I was gonna take Boise State minus eight, but then I realized you never want to play a service academy because they just just wear you out faster than anybody. They just control the ball for so much of the game. And even though Air Force isn't one of the academies that run the triple option, it's they're still the team. There, you never want to have a service academy on your schedule. No, you're you're always liable for an upset. That, that's all right. Shit. So next next what next up we got? I'm actually going to go against. My boys, this this week, I'm taking Oklahoma State plus six on the road against Texas. I just don't. I just. I, I got a bad feeling. I don't think we win this game. I think. I think we lose outright. Oklahoma State has knocked us off for for several years. Probably in the past seven years, I'd, I'd say four or five times of to where, you know, we're 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 a team that's supposed to be something, and you know, little old Oklahoma State comes rolling in and just smacks us in the mouth. Um, they've got they've got a great offense. We obviously. Texas obviously does not have a defense that can that can that can stop anything. So I think they're just gonna just I think they'll just outscore us. And you know, so that that'll roll into my next pick. But what's next up for you, man? Uh, I'm taking the under for Tennessee and Florida. It's at forty eight and a half right now. I'm expecting Florida's backup to have a slow start and not be able to take it score any points. And then if Tennessee is Tennessee and won't get past the 50 yard line until the third quarter. <laughs> so it's going to be 2117. Man, it, it would, that's it, a, I, I don't think it goes over by any stretch. It's just, you know, I, I, I can't see Tennessee scoring much more than 10. So if they were to score 14 or 17, that'd be over, over what I'm thinking that they'd be able to put up against Florida. So yeah, you, I bet you're, you're all over that under 48 and a half. So, 
Next up, my next pick is going to be the Texas-Oklahoma State game over 73. Uh, like I said before, I think they're going to – I think Oklahoma State is just going to flat out scores. I think Texas is good enough to move the ball against Oklahoma State. I do not think Texas is good enough to stop the ball. And it just comes down to whoever has the most possessions. You know, if Oklahoma State can still turn over or they can, you know, get a quick score at halftime and get the ball back afterwards, that kind of stuff, I think that I think those kind of plays will be the ones that win the game and vice versa. If Texas can force a turnover by the young freshman, then I think I think Texas could, could take it. But I just think they'll be able to run the ball so effectively with, with Hubbard and to open things up and to be able to throw it to Wallace and Dylan Stoner and those cats. But uh, – yeah, so I'm I'm definitely I'm 100% sure rolling on the over 73 for Texas Oklahoma State. Yeah, well, if Texas is truly back, they should win by at least 10 in this game. Yeah, they should. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, we should have should have been LSU too. But that's that's another 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 uh, another topic for another podcast. So <laughs> what you got up next, man? Um, I'm taking Auburn plus three and a half versus uh, Texas A&M. I'm not buying into the Bo Nix hype, but I, just in general, I feel like Auburn is the better team than A and M. Uh, they should have beaten Oregon week one. It's criminal how they blew that lead and everybody's bets everywhere. But it's it's in A and M though, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a. Uh... If I'm not mistaken, I put that up there toward the top. No, no, that wasn't on my list. But no, yeah, I think it is in station, yeah. yeah. But even then, they're proven to be a better team because home teams usually get three-point favorites. So. Yeah, yeah. Auburn should have, have an L on their on their record already. You know, that, 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 that risky, risky-ass pass there toward the end of the game, just tossing it up and letting, you, letting your wide receiver go make a play, it makes for a great story. But that was a uh, – that was a definitely a true freshman thing to do for Auburn. So Auburn got lucky in winning that one, and uh, and I do I do think they they beat A and M this week. I'm right there with you, bud. All right, next on my list, I got Colorado plus seven and a half against Arizona State. I think, like I said, I like I said earlier, I think this game is going to stay closer. I think it'll be a back and forth game. I think that extra half a point, if you can get that plus seven and a half, I think that's going to go a long way to make, to, to making your night go a lot easier. I think it'll be a, a back and forth game. Field goal here or there. Uh, I think at best Arizona State wins by seven. So if you can squeeze that half a point out of, out of your book, then uh, then I, I definitely think you should do that. So I'm going to take Colorado plus seven and a half. All right, my last one, uh, SMU plus nine point nine and a half against TCU. I got my inside source from uh my one of my friends that works with SMU or in the football team. They they have covered every week and have won by like covered by ten plus every oh, wow. Week. Yeah, whatever the spread was add ten to it that they've covered. So um, they are TCU is heavily favored but SMU should be able to keep up with them. Yeah, and they got my boy Shane Bouchelle in there. Shane Bouchelle's played against TCU before. He's played against better competition whenever he was at Texas. Yeah, I can see I can see that easy. They they've got good enough wide receivers. They got a good stable of running backs. They've got two guys on their team that that have that have run off three touchdown games apiece over the first three weeks. And uh and Bouchelle's nothing to be sneezed at, you know. 
had had Ellinger not come in when he did, he'd still be starting for the Longhorns right now. So SMU plus nine and a half. That's that's a good man. I like that. Yeah. And last upon the list for us, I'm going to go with Oregon minus ten. We uh, it's funny that I, I put these games down before I did the uh, the previews and the reviews and and uh, they ended up all making their way up there. Oregon should smoke Stanford. They should wax them and. If, if UCF can go in there and hang up a 45 on them, there is no excuse for Oregon not to do the same thing. Uh, and I just do not think Stanford has the firepower and offense to catch up with them. Do you know if the uh, the quarterback is out of concussion protocol and playing playing again? Um, I don't believe so, actually. I've not seen anything anywhere to, to tell me that he was, and that's why I'm so heavy on the, the Oregon minus 10. I think that – that line could be up there in the 14, 16, 17 range, and I'd still jump on it. So, yeah. uh, so all right, so we got any more bets to cover? That should be all of them, right? That's Yeah, that's it. All right, so we're going to get into the, the week three spreads that shit the beds. All right, my man. So this is a, this will be a weekly segment for us. Uh, we're going to go over some of the games that, that you were ready to flip your coffee table over at or you were just blown away by how it, how it turned out. Uh First, first game for me is Rice giving up a, a, a kickoff return touchdown for Texas to cover. They hit both the over and Texas covered the, the spread with that last, I don't know, it had to have been, you know, under a minute left kickoff return touchdown. So I know some folks that were, were hoping for the down game from Texas, they were all over it. They had the backdoor cover. It, it was it was it was looking like it was money, and you was you was you a lot of people probably probably already wrote it down on their book as a win. And then ten seconds later, bam! They're they're turning that they're turning that pencil back back over and they're erasing that thing and putting that L down and losing the juice. So it was uh, I wasn't able to watch all that game for me traveling, but I was trying to follow around on my phone and I was I was stoked. I, I just know because because me honestly, if I would have bet on that game, I would have probably taken rice. Just the simple fact. I mean, it's you're on the road. You just got beat by LSU. You know that 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 just screamed backdoor cover, and that was exactly what happened up until that last kickoff. It was a had to have been a hard way to take an L for for folks at home. And uh, next, I got Kentucky giving up a big play over to to Florida to cover. You know, Kentucky was looking good. Seemed like they had that that uh, that six and a half covered, and uh, and instead of and Florida instead of just taking a knee and just kneeing it out, they run a little jet sweep and. Guy bust off a big one, and you know now, now, now Florida covers covers their side of the spread, and and Kentucky fans are not only beat, but now they're now they're a little bit more poor than before the game started. So that's 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 another that's another another tough that'll take. What you got, Jesse? Uh, we all of mine we pretty much already talked about the Michigan State field goal issue. Um, I luckily took Arizona State in this that game, so I was very excited. Then Boston College upset. Nobody saw that coming. Oh God, I didn't. It it blew it blew me away. I, I st- it still it still I, brings back memories to Texas a couple years ago. Yeah, it, it brought me back to somewhat Appalachian State memories. So I mean, I, it re- it really is kind of on that scale. I mean, maybe not quite that scale because they were, are both Division One schools. But what was it? Forty eight consecutive games they had lost to to Power Five. To power five schools is, yeah. is that is that was that what that stat was that was on the game? Yes, I mean that's that's forty eight consecutive losses to any power five school. They play a couple out of conference games, and let's face it, the Big Twelve 
they're not rolling out uh, national championship contenders from from one to ten. No, I mean, it's, it's I mean, come on, one, two. Some yeah, I mean, even even if it's one and two, it's mo- it's for the past ten years, it's just been one. Yeah, you know, it's, it's even been, then, it's, it's not <laughs> even been one. Yeah, so I mean, the fact that they hadn't won the game and won a, a power five against a power five school in forty eight games, and then they come in there and they stomp the guts out of Boston College, who is just flat out a better team. They just had one of those perfect storms. All the balls bounced their way. It just it blew me away. Yeah, and then my last one, it's. The UNC wake, and mostly because I took UNC like everybody else. Because that, for some reason, they were a very high favorite for this game. So I jumped on and jumped aboard and should have had that last second. <laughs> Who knows? They would have had the miracle Hail Mary. Would have, would have made for good. Would have made for a good podcast here, huh? I would have been happy. <laughs> All right, so... All right, listeners, listen up here. All right, so are you guys into prop to prop betting or DFS or maybe both? I get I got some great news for you. The BreakdownSports.com is partnering with a brand new company that combines DFS with player props called Thrive Fantasy. Really fun and 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 the first of its kind. The way it works is you you enter contests using your own lineup made of prop bets. The more prop bets you guess correctly, the more points you get and the greater chance you have of winning money. If you deposit $10 now and use our code BREAKDOWN, spelt B-R-K-D-W-N, and Thrive Fantasy will match your deposit with free, with a free $10 credit. Use our link now and try it out. All right, so next up, we got the uh, the players of the week for week three. And, Jesse, I'm going to let you uh, roll into this one first because I got two that I want to I wanna talk about a little bit more. Yeah, mine's Najee Harris, former should have been – Michigan All-American who left for Alabama. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Michigan hasn't had the best uh, running back recruiting. They lost out on him and Eno Benjamin. Hey, man, I I feel you, bro. I feel you. But that touchdown reception and catch and run he had was insane. It was impressive. I Player of the week just because of that one play. Yeah, it it was fantastic. It really was. All oh, right, yeah. so so I, I got two sitting up here. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on a running back and a quarterback real quick. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, Chuba Hubbard, 256 rushing yards last week and three touchdowns. He looked great. I mean, I know it's against Tulsa uh, Tulsa last week. Yeah, I know it's against Tulsa, but look, I mean, like I said earlier, there's been either four or six 200 plus rushing yard games so far this season. Hubbard has two of them. They feed him the ball. He's, in both of those games, he was 30 plus carries. They're they're not going to put too much on their their true freshman quarterback, so they're they're going they're going to ride Hubbard, and he is good enough to do it, and he's good enough to handle those kind of workloads. So uh, so yeah, 256 and three. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he was 150 and two this week against Texas. And my next guy is is is, uh, is my my guy Tua. I am not an Alabama fan. I despise the the fan base as a whole in in my area. They are the, some of the worst people to be around. But I guess whenever Texas was running off ten and twelve wins a season, I guess I was probably pretty obnoxious to be around too. So I can't I can't really bash on them too hard. But Tua with four hundred and forty four passing yards, five touchdowns, had a lot of help from from his boy Najee Harris. He had a couple of those touchdowns. It was uh it was an impressive outing for Tua. 
and he just uh, he just looks good. I mean, Alabama looks nasty front front on offense. They got they got speed everywhere. They got guys that can stretch the field. They got running backs that can catch the ball in the backfield. It's uh, it's setting up nicely for Tua to make a pretty serious Heisman run, which. That's no surprise to anybody. He was one of the top two coming into the season with it. So, uh, so those are our players of the week. And next, we're going or next we're going to get into a new segment. We're doing our New York Bound uh, segment here. Okay, so this is me and Jesse. We're going to talk about four or five guys that we feel like have a have a better than good chance of making it to New York to sit there for the Heisman Trophy uh, presentation. So. I've got five guys here that I'm going to go over real quick, and I'm going to kind of blow through them real quick, and I'm going to turn it over to Jesse. Uh, my five, and I tell you what, Jesse, since we have a lot of these guys that are, are the same, I'll, I'll I'll mention one, and then you can you can roll in and tell me your 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 thoughts outside of mine, okay? Sounds good. Uh, Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. It's it would be obnoxious if Oklahoma runs off three straight Heisman Trophy winners from three straight transfers. But so far this year, he's 49 to 61, which is 80%, 880 passing yards, uh, and nine touchdowns. Also has 38 attempts, 373 rushing yards, and four touchdowns. He has looked friggin' dominant in that offense. He, he is a quarterback that I personally made fun of at Alabama and told them that he was their biggest weakness on offense. And now he's come over here and he is absolutely showing out in this uh, in this system. And don't don't get me wrong. It is the system, but if you can't play within that system, then then you're going to be sitting on the bench, and he'll 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 let other guys come in and play within the system. So Hertz has looked fantastic this so far this year. So what's your thoughts, Jesse? Well, yeah, he's minor. He's the best player in college football this year, which is insane for us to say that about Jalen Hurts, yeah. especially the how how mediocre at best he looked at Alabama. You know. I mean, it was if you could if you could just slow down the running game for Alabama, you could beat them. Which I mean, people couldn't because they're Alabama and they've got five stars all the way across the offensive line, five star running backs, five star tight ends, all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, he he looks like the best player in football so far. Is it that just? And it's all because he's in Oklahoma system. Yeah, Usually, it's, it's Alabama's could Alabama could always succeed with mediocre quarterbacks. Exactly. Greg McElroy, AJ McCarron, at Anybody, you name it. Screams mediocre. <laughs> but they had somewhat of an arm, which Jalen Hurts didn't really have at Alabama. Yeah. They tried to focus on a power run game with him, and it just didn't end up working. But now look sure. at him. And, and, and let us be, be clear. When we say it really didn't end up working, they were still a 12-win team. They were still going to the playoff. They were still competing the for national, national championships, championships yeah. every year. So it's not like Jalen Hurts was a problem to where it kept them out of competing for games, but at the same time, he was their worst person on the offense. He was, and he is. It's amazing what the the right system will do for the right players. And I say that about Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer. Yeah, that was that was a match made in heaven. It was a perfect system for a perfect skill set for that system, and it worked great. Yeah, which us saying Jalen Hurts is the worst person on Alabama's offense is like saying. You have the worst supercar out of your friends. Yeah. You got the worst Lamborghini out of the group of Lamborghinis. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so next up on my list, which he is not on your list, and, and, and I can see why. He's only played two games, but I got Jonathan Taylor. And let me let me just take a step back here. None of these are in any certain order. These are not in order for me from one to five. These are just guys that I think have a legitimate uh, a legitimate shot on making, making the trip. 
then it is also still September, so we got a lot of football left to play. But I got Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin in here. Uh, 35 carries, 237 yards, five touchdowns, uh, just shy of seven yards a carry. And this is the part that I like the most. You're starting to see more and more of these elite running backs in college starting to showcase a pass-catching skill set because how important it is in the NFL. So far, he's not been targeted a lot, but he has five receptions for 65 yards and three touchdowns. So when he gets the ball out there in space, he is making people miss, and he is taking it to the house. If that keeps up, if he can keep, you know, if he can get seven, eight receiving touchdowns, three or 400 yards receiving, maybe not even that much, and still drop his 2,000 rushing yards that that you that is almost locked up and automatic if he stays healthy all season, I think he's got a great shot at going to New York. Uh, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I think he has a great shot going, too. I just don't have him in my top five because I have somebody better. But uh, Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> he's the best running back in the country, which, and – he just needs if he performs amazing like he should against Michigan, then I'm all in on him. Yeah, this is a this is an important week for the Jonathan Taylor Heisman oh, train yeah. for sure. I, mean, I had him in my preseason top five, which yeah, says for uh, sure. enough. Yeah, and uh, next up on my list, and I know you I know you hated me saying it, but I got just I got Justin Fields at Ohio State. So far this year, he's 52 of 74 for 70 percent, throwing for 657 yards and nine touchdowns. Also had 114 rushing yards and four touchdowns. He has looked a part of the elite high school quarterback coming out so far. And it's another one of these things. If he was at Georgia starting right now, I don't even think I'm having this conversation. I think I'd be laughed at for having this conversation because Georgia doesn't run that that spread high-powered offense. They kind of keep it. They kind of keep it on the ground. They kind of keep it slow. They kind of control the game. It's a pro style. Yeah, pro style offense. Yeah. So him, him at Ohio State, and I, I've got a great friend of mine at work that's a huge, huge Georgia fan. And you know, outside of me rubbing it in his face all year long about Texas being Georgia, beating Georgia for the in the Sugar Bowl, this is one of our our biggest topics that we talk about. Because simple fact is, he he doesn't hold any ill will against Justin Fields, but he wanted him to be there because he knew how good he was. And now, and as soon as he trans, he put jumped in the transfer report. I said, if he ends up at at Oklahoma or Ohio State, I said it right then. I said, I think he'll, I think he'll win a Heisman before it's over. And if he continues to play this way, stays healthy, keeps playing as efficient as he is, moving the ball, beating the crap out of people, don't doesn't lose any any shitty games to to mediocre opponents. I think he's got another good shot as well. So go go ahead and do your, your fields bashing because he's at Ohio State. I know it, you're eating up to do it. It's it's just not fair. Every quarterback they get has been better <laughs> than the last. <laughs> ever since Tro- ever since Troy Smith, every quarterback they've had oh. has been better than the last. Oh, you the way you said that, Jesse, you sounded so sad. That it's, like, what the hell? Why am true. I stuck with these quarterbacks in Michigan when Ohio State just keeps reloading with? I was so excited entering <laughs> the spring and seeing Tate Martell as their starting quarterback. Oh man, he's Good been old so bad. Tathan, the wide receiver now at Miami. <laughs> so excited to see that. Then I saw he was in the transfer portal, and I knew 
You just knew it was Ohio State. Yeah. As soon as he went in, I, I told my buddy, I said, it's either Oklahoma or it's Ohio State. And wherever he goes, he's going to be a superstar. Yeah. He's just so athletic. you know. And he, he's definitely more athletic than the, the majority of the people on the field. So, like I said, he keeps it up. He's got a good shot of being. My, my front runner right now, uh, if I had to pick one front runner at, at this point, and that's, that's usually a dumb thing to do three weeks into the season, but it would be Tua from, from Alabama. 70 for, 90, 70 for 91, 77%, 1,007 yards, 12 touchdowns. Look, one of the most important things about getting getting to New York is you got to have a team that that doesn't lose. You know, it, it's almost as if, you know, ever since ever since uh, Robert Griffin III won it, I think they were 8-4, and four, but ever since then, it's, been, it's one of those things to where as soon as you lose a game, it is considered it's all that person's fault. He's out of the Heisman. He's out of the Heisman race, and uh, I just I think that, I think it's crappy. I think it's a, I think it's a bad way to be. But Alabama's not going to lose a lot of games. They they may drop one, but outside of that, you know, he he's he's got a he's got a straight narrow path to the Heisman if 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 he continues to play the way he is, and I I think he will. Oh, definitely. But I'd argue uh, Lamar Jackson to that point right there instead of RG three. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I was I forget about Lamar Jackson because uh, one of our guys over at the breakdown thinks that he was a uh, he was mediocre college quarterback. We'll uh, we'll have him back on at another time and we'll we'll, we'll discuss that in a little bit more in depth. <laughs> because even then, the year after he won the Heisman was an even better year for him, yeah. but his team was half as bad. Yeah, yeah. Same way, for, same way for same way for Manziel. Manziel, you know, his his second year after he won the Heisman was statistically a better year, but the team wasn't as good. They didn't have that big signature win over Alabama like they did the week before. Yeah. So those things those things go into a lot of it. You know, it's not just your stats. It's not just the. Uh, it's not just what you do on the field. It's what your team does. It, it's just as much as a team uh, award as it is an individual award, in my opinion. So. And next yeah. up, next up, you got anything else to add with Tua? Uh, it's. A, the quarterback best off not second best offensive player on sure. the second best team in the country right now he's going to be in there yeah yeah i mean especially because you get the spotlight being being the qb for for alabama exactly. at this point in time and uh next up on our list it's uh it, it it pains me to say it but but joe burrow has really looked friggin' good for the first first month of the season uh 75 for 90 for 83 percent uh, 1,122 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, has a top 10 win already. It's uh, he's been impressive so far, and I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's he is this new offense they're running. They it is looking good, and they are they are airing it out. And if they can get, you know, the win against against Georgia and or Alabama, and you know make their way to the SEC championship game, that that sort of thing, I think he's a lock to be sitting in New York if he continues to play the way he is. Oh, if they make the SEC championship somehow, he'll definitely be in it. All right, my man. So go go run through some of your guys that we didn't hit on. Uh, finish up any other topics that uh, any other topics about the Heisman that you want to hit on. Um, the only person that I had that you didn't is uh, Trevor Lawrence. I had him instead of Jonathan Taylor. He's uh, fifty-nine for ninety-seven, eight hundred thirty-one yards, and five touchdowns right now. It's what about all them picks? <laughs> he has five interceptions, but along with the Tua part is he's the quarterback for the defending yeah. national champions. 
Yeah, you're, you're Unless right. Unless he bursts into flames or something, he's going to be in New York. It's simple as that. It's All media right, so bias. L- let, me, let me throw this scenario at you. Okay, so what if he keeps on with, with this pace of play? Because they, can, they obviously can win at, at, at his pace of play right now. And Etienne starts blowing up like he did last year, and he has him another 17, 1,800 yards of total offense, another 20-plus touchdowns. Hasn't scored the past two games, so that may be difficult to get. But if you have both of them sitting there, if you have both of them sitting there undefeated, going into conference championship week, you know, you're starting to get your ballots and everything out, you got them both sitting there with these other guys that we mentioned. Who do you think, out of the guys that we've mentioned up to this point, falls out? So, so Lawrence and Etienne could make it in. Who, who would I have that would fall out? It would probably be Joe Burrow. Okay, that that's fair. I got, I've got, I've got no issue with that. I can see them losing a couple games throughout the year that are, uh, you know, close games. But you know, maybe those couple picks, they lose the game. That kind of puts him out of the conversation. I've got no yeah. issue with that. That's pretty okay. much. May, maybe Jalen Hurts if he somehow crashes and burns and goes back to the old Jalen Hurts. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So that, that's all we got on the Heisman, right? Yep. That's all I got. All right. So we got our, our week three Heisman topic out of the way. We'll hit, we'll bring that back in a couple weeks and see how, how things change. All right. So next up, we're going to have our bold predictions and uh, slash hot takes for week four. Uh, mine is, I think Boston College rebounds in a big way. They're playing an, a, an also shitty team in Rutgers. So hopefully they got away. Yeah, hopefully they don't drop two unbelievably bad losses in a row. But I think AJ Dillon runs for 220 plus yards if he doesn't get to 250 yards. He's uh he's due for one of those big Boston College blow up games to where you know guys over the past have ripped off 250 300 yard games. So AJ Dillon is going to kill it if you play daily fantasy football and AJ Dillon is in your slate of games. Put him in there. Get him in there. He's going to have a big week. All right, mine uh, for this week, Notre Dame loses by at least 21. They're going to get blown out. Now, I'm, I'm all over that with you, man. I think they're going to get smoked. I not, don't think there's any way they keep it close. Not because Georgia is so good, but just because Notre Dame's really that bad. I don't think that – I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Tony Tony Jones Jr. is hurt. Jafar Armstrong's hurt. So both of their, their lead running backs are, are – are, Banged up, Jafar Armstrong is for sure out, but I, but I want to say Tony Jones Jr. is uh, is nicked up and and at least questionable for the game. So yeah, I could I could see him not being able to move the ball. Georgia's got a great defense that puts a lot of pressure on in book to come in there and control the game from start to finish. Now I don't know that he's got it any. No, no. And then all you, all Georgia really has to do is just hand it to DeAndre Swift and they're golden. Yeah, just just let them just let him control the game. Let let Jake Fromm game manage. Let DeAndre Swift run the ball for a buck fifty, a buck seventy five. Come off the field with an easy win. I I also think this is the game where Jake Fromm and the receivers can actually complete passes because he's been like half a yard too long or too short on most of his deep balls. Wait a minute, Jake Fromm can can throw the ball downfield. They they can they can complete passes. I, I think when did when week. did Georgia start doing this? <laughs> I think this is a week because I hate it still amazes me that Georgia keeps bringing in these big time recruits at wide receivers and big transfers. If it, it just doesn't make sense to me at all, like why would you go to Georgia outside of trying to win a championship? Go to Alabama. 
Go to Alabama. They got a great quarterback. You're one of the elite wide receivers, man. He'll get you the ball. But that's just that's just me though. It just blows me away that that Georgia continues to recruit these stud wide receivers. When the last one that made any any sort of real noise was AJ Green, and that's God, how long ago was that? Almost eight. I was about to, I was about to say ten. So so yeah, so eight to ten years. Yeah. All right. But well. the reason is Georgia's the next big football powerhouse in high school. Yes, yeah, they, they, they do recruit some major, major players There's, down there. You're yeah, right. It's all in-state. Georgia is yeah, taking over from Texas, California, and Florida. Uh-oh. Oh, I see I see the upset picks down here. We're going to roll our upset picks here. Jesse, hit me with the upset pick, man. Uh, Come on I'll with it. Let's it. go. I'm going I'm going Tennessee plus 14. I don't, <laughs> oh, Tennessee. I, don't, <laughs> I do have... Oh, good old love in my heart for Tennessee for personal reasons, but it's <laughs> it's just I don't see and I have hate in my Florida for a lot of reasons. But no oh, man, Tennessee's been so bad though. But hey, look man, it's an upset pick. It's what it's there for. Exactly. Upset picks to us uh, consider a team that's that's ten point plus underdogs. I could not find anybody that I thought was was a. Uh, was a good pick outside, so I had to kind of cheat a little bit here. I went with South Carolina beats Missouri, and they're at a nine and a half point uh, underdog. So I'm only a half point under our ten. So I'm, I think I, I think I can get a pass for a half a point. Yeah, by the now half you may point, get, it'll be good. Yeah, you can buy the half point, get get the little cushion there, so you can at least try to get the push. So yeah, mine would be South Carolina knocking off Missouri. Missouri's looked yeah okay, you know, kind of kind of middle of the road. Of course, the bad loss to Wyoming. South Carolina, I mean, didn't look like total trash last week against Alabama. You know, they put up a couple points yeah. against a really good defense. You just got to make sure that the the young uh, freshman quarterback, say his name, Halinski. I believe that's what it is. I think that's what it is. I'm, I'm really bad at pronouncing names, folks. So you guys will be able to make fun of me for a long time on this podcast because of that. So I think the freshman quarterback here, I think I think he pulls it off. I think he pulls off a you know a big a big upset here, and it'll be a, it'll be it'll kind of catapult them into trying to compete. So so we'll see what they got. I also say always bet against Missouri because they have these supposed big name quarterbacks, but never live up to the hype. Oh God, they're so bad, aren't they? Like Drew Locke has been hyped up for so long. Drew Locke. And I used to I used to have, love betting against Missouri when Drew Locke was there. Now you have Kelly Bryant. Before all this, you had Chase Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All over Sports Illustrated. Yeah. <laughs> never been on the right. They'll never make a run anywhere. Well, all right, man. That, is, that, that wraps us up. You got anything else you want to add before we close it out? That's pretty much it. All right, Go folks. Blue. Look 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 us up on uh, on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere where you get your podcast. Search the breakdown, the B-R-K-D-W-N and look for the Campus to Campus podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. We're out for the night. Jesse, I'll holler at you next week, brother. All right. Nice to see you all. See you, folks.